I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Tom Shalou. I'm Maria Bartiromo, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, March 30th, 2020. I'm Jackie Heinrich. The coronavirus crisis has upended the 2020 presidential campaign, but it's not clear which candidate is benefiting. We don't know what to make of this. Uh, This is different than previous American experiences, number one. And number two, he is the most polarizing figure in uh, certainly modern American political history, but maybe ever. I'm Ed Henry. Opening day may have been postponed this season, but one of baseball's most legendary voices, Vin Scully, says Americans should remain hopeful. Now that uh, this terrible thing is upon us, people might very well get back to center, and it's a better world. And I'm Joshua Rogers. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Nobody would have guessed a few weeks ago that primary elections would all but grind to a halt and coronavirus would reshape the 2020 campaign as we know it. The days of door knocking, campaign rallies and town halls have been replaced with live stream addresses. Press conferences filled with ever more grim accounts of the sick and dying hardly leave room to remember that former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders are still battling for the Democratic presidential nomination. And while President Trump has enjoyed plenty of airtime, his handling of the crisis hasn't drawn an entirely positive response. And now his biggest campaign platform, a booming U.S. economy, is in jeopardy. Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin on Fox News Sunday. I don't know what the numbers are going to be this quarter. What I do think is we are going to kill this virus. We are going to reopen this economy. And in the third quarter of this year, you're going to see this economy bounce back with very large GDP numbers and low unemployment back to where we were beforehand. A recent Fox News poll shows Biden ahead of Trump in a head-to-head matchup. Biden's been using his home studio to show parallel coronavirus response to the White House, with a would-be cabinet briefing him daily on the economic and public health impact. But without public office, he can't make as much of an impact as Sanders, doing work in the Senate to address the crisis. I'm chomping at the bit. I wish I were still in the Senate, but I am where I am. So how does the campaign move forward from here? Because November is still coming. Voters don't know how this is going to go. They don't know how it's going to end. Chris Steyerwald is a Fox News politics editor and co-host of the I'll Tell You What podcast. Uh, The president's job approval was basically unchanged, uh, stayed in the same range, ticked up a little bit. But uh, he can say that he has majority approval for his handling of the crisis, even if there are some concerns uh, underneath those numbers in terms of his uh, response and its timing. I think voters, quite understandably, are in a wait-and-see mode on this question. Would you expect Trump's approval to be higher? We've had crises in the past, like 9-11, and Bush's approval skyrocketed from 55 to 86 percent after that. Well, there are a lot of good things to be as an American president, but probably the best one is to be lucky. And Donald Trump has been extraordinarily lucky, uh, or had been extraordinarily lucky, uh, through the more than three years of his term, right? Um, There were no major international crises or incidents. Uh, The economy grew at a pretty steady pace. Uh, He was presiding over what had been the single longest economic expansion in American history. Uh, And things were pretty placid. And that doesn't much test the leader, but it does tend to make voters uh, be happy to keep things going the direction there. That's why 
most incumbent presidents who win a first term uh, that seek re-election get re-elected. If things are okay, people are disinclined, as uh, Abraham Lincoln's 1864 uh, slogan went, don't swap horses in midstream. Now, Trump is not so lucky. Uh, his luck ran out. We have a global pandemic that is uh, started a massive recessionary trend. Uh, people are anxious and people are concerned. How he scores on this uh, in terms of his handling of it, and in terms of the rally around the flag effect that you talk about in past crises, probably mitigated by a couple of things. Number one, we don't know what to make of this. Uh, this is different than previous American experiences, number one. And number two, he is the most polarizing figure in uh, certainly modern American political history, but maybe ever. Uh, people had very hard feelings, positive and negative about Trump. And that just sort of tends to mean that nothing much shakes his or changes his overall trajectory in terms of public sentiment. How do you expect this to impact uh, the Democrats? You know, you have former Vice President Joe Biden, who doesn't hold any kind of public office right now. So he's not only off the campaign trail, but he's not even able to showcase, you know, work he's doing on this. At least Bernie Sanders is working in the Senate, um, you know, on that two trillion dollar stimulus package and things like that. He can sort of point to uh, his work there on behalf of people. And he also was better. He had had a better Internet game anyway. And a lot of folks, um, you know, had seen his live streams before when he had to get creative during impeachment. And he was off the campaign trail. How do you think this whole pandemic is impacting each of their campaigns? Well, you know, it was a good news, bad news situation for Democrats. The good news was the outbreak basically ended their nominating contest. Um, the uh, Joe Biden, the, the last uh, contest to be had before quarantine, he was a decisive winner. Uh, the sentiment against Bernie Sanders in all quarters of the Democratic Party has been uh, robustly uh, in opposition. Uh, Sanders had more than worn out his welcome. And with this going on, Democrats were quite content to say, OK, this is done. The downside is that's a long time to leave Joe Biden on the shelf. He's a he's a weak, presumptive nominee. Um, so here is Joe Biden adrift. Uh, Bernie Sanders, online supporters, especially when they uh, sync up with those of President Trump, uh, are able to provide lots of harassment for Biden online and push stories that are unflattering to Biden. Uh, Biden doesn't have those kinds of supporters in the virtual space. Uh, his uh, legion of trolls is tiny and Sanders is, is enormous. Uh, so Sanders obviously is comfortable with working to weaken Biden, even though Sanders can't win. Uh, he's comfortable in doing that to the degree that he can get away with. Uh, and Biden just looks dreadful, right? He's coming to you from his basement. Uh, Biden isn't a good interview. Uh, he can do pretty well uh, on a speech uh, and, and has that facility uh, at a big speech moment. He can do that. And he's good on one on one interaction, retail politics. But for what's called for here, uh, he just is not suited for it. So if you're a Democrat, you're looking from now until will there be a convention or won't there be a convention in July? That is a long time to leave a presumptive nominee on the shelf. Are you surprised that Bernie Sanders hasn't dropped out yet? I mean, there's 
some talk from among his supporters that staying in the race would push the party potentially to adopt more liberal policies, especially as coronavirus is putting kind of a spotlight on, you know, health care and the economy. And he had campaigned so much on Medicare for all and raising the minimum wage and people shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. Do you think that he would be more likely to continue campaigning because of what coronavirus has done and forcing people to rethink the role of government? The key thing to remember with Bernie Sanders is that he is not a Democrat and does not care about the Democratic Party. So he, as a Democratic Socialist and Independent, uh, who has sort of been, he's made a career. This guy's been in Congress for 30 years. Uh, he has made a career out of harassing the Democratic Party. And I there is no incentive for him to suddenly become a party loyal guy and, and become a capital D Democrat. Uh, he is thinking about the movement that others like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and are going to carry forward after this. And he wants to be the Abraham uh, of this new movement that will go on from here. He, you know, does he want to be like the Barry Goldwater uh, was for the conservative Republicans? He wants to be that guy and harassing Joe Biden, making it hard for Democrats, even though he can't win is in no way harmful to his brand because his brand is about attacking the party that he really doesn't love. The Fox News poll shows Congress's approval rating is also on the rise. It's the highest it's been in over a decade. Does that surprise you? Um, When there is a crisis, uh, Americans tend to uh, unify and rally together. That's why you see the highest job approval numbers for Congress in a decade. Uh, double what they were uh, four years ago. Uh, You see that as a good reflection of people coming together. While Trump remains a very divisive figure uh, and politically polarizing, you can see in this uh, the fact that this doesn't sound very good, but that that, uh, about a third of Americans approve of the job Congress is doing is very unusual for these days. So that's a reflection of people trying to give their leaders the benefit of the doubt and wanting to come together. Chris Steyerwalt, Fox News politics editor and man of many hats. Thank you. Safe travels. This is Joshua Rogers with your Fox News commentary coming up. Last Thursday was supposed to be opening day for America's pastime. But like most of professional sports, Major League Baseball put their season on hold due to the coronavirus. That means it could be weeks or months before fans hear that unmistakable crack of the bat or even get the opportunity to yell at an umpire for making a bad call. One of the game's most legendary voices is Vin Scully. For 67 seasons, he called games for the Dodgers, starting out when they were still in Brooklyn before following the team west to Los Angeles. Think of some of the sport's greatest moments. He was there, announcing the plays, Sandy Koufax's 1965 perfect game, Kirk Gibson's legendary walk-off homer in the 88 World Series, the ball going between Bill Buckner's legs. It was Vin Scully who called it. Little roller up along first, behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. He retired at the end of the 2016 season at the age of 88. Today, like many Americans, he misses baseball, but remains hopeful. Now that I have some leisure time and we're all locked in at home, I uh, read an article 
and it was talking about what happened to the Americans in World War II. Mm. It was such a terrible time, the horrors of all the deaths and everything else, that three-quarters of the Americans belong to a house of worship. Hmm. Today, after we've had boom time, half of the Americans are involved in a house of worship hmm. prior to this pandemic. So there's your answer. I think what will happen now, although they might not be able to go to a house of worship, probably more Americans will be praying than uh, since World War II. I was watching Pope Francis on a live stream saying Mass uh, at uh, the little inn where he lives. He doesn't like the trappings of power um, and lives in this sort of little inn, and he says Mass there almost every day. And a lot of people are doing that now. Cardinal Dolan's been doing that here in New York, and I suspect that you've heard about this. People are connecting that way. We have uh, another great advantage over the people, uh, despite the pandemic and the idea you have to stay at home, I would say the majority of Americans have uh, television sets today. Mm -hmm. And you can turn on a channel. I know there are two of them that I get for Sunday Mass, and it's that easy. So I have the same feeling about what happened during World War II. Uh, more people will be coming back to the faith. And now that uh, this terrible thing is upon us, people might very well get back to center, and it's a better world. We'll see. We're going to see. You mentioned about being hunkered down. How does Vin Scully practice um, social distancing, and are you reading any great books? Is there anything you could pass along to us? Well, I, I thought when I retired that I'd be reading uh, every day, my wife has not been 100%, and I realized if I started to do what I love to do and read, suddenly I'm isolating her, and I don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. So we keep company with each other. So that's that's been a big change, although I'm delighted uh, just to have the opportunity to, to talk with her about her thoughts and her feelings and her religious beliefs. So all in all... One thing has been replaced, I think, by an even better moment. That's very sweet of you to talk about her and want to make sure that you don't isolate from her even more by going off in the corner and reading a book. It should make all of us think. Uh, you also have a lot of perspective, which is why we wanted to talk to you. And I read that you were born in 1929. And, 27. Oh, 27. My bad. And That's okay. You, so you, I'm younger with you. <laughs> I, was try, I was trying to make you younger. What, what's it like to fight through the Depression? Because what I read was that it was more than just hard financial times for you. There was a human cost that you lost your dad when you were just about four. Right. How did you and your mom, we were talking about faith, how did you and your mom get through that? People are wondering how they'll get through this crisis. That had to be a heck of a crisis for you and your mom. It was very difficult, especially for my mother. Um, I didn't know my dad at four, really. He was a traveling salesman, so I barely knew him at all. So one of the things that happened, and it was a plus, uh, my mother, trying to keep us afloat, uh, got an apartment with, uh, I think there were two or three bedrooms in the apartment, 
and she rented out the other bedrooms to uh, merchant seamen who mm. would be there usually only a day or two, and then they would move on. And one of the merchant seamen was my father-to-be, hmm. and he had been in the British Navy, and then he was in the uh, Merchant Marines, and uh, so eventually they married, and this was the interesting part, I guess. He wound up being a doorman for uh, one of the apartments on Central Park West or South, one of the hmm. kind of beautiful apartments in New York. And one of the things would happen, he would bring home clothing. Uh, people in the apartment house would say, here, Al, give this to your son. <laughs> and I would wind up with a corduroy jacket or uh, some pants that fit, <laughs> or my mother would make them fit. So I had no realization of how bad things were. I just thought I was lucky wearing hand-me-downs. That's amazing. Now, yeah. you must have gotten your red hair from your mom. You talked yes. about the Irish. Yes. And your mom played an important role when you were waiting to get a call back from the Brooklyn Dodgers, and they had a legendary broadcaster, Red Barber. But your mom took the call. Right. What had happened was I uh, was so fortunate. I had graduated from Fordham and lucked into a summer replacement job with WTOP in Washington, mm. a big 50,000-watt station. And for a kid from college radio to go to WTOP was the equivalent of playing baseball at Fordham <laughs> and going to the big leagues. Yeah. So I, uh, while I was there, uh, Red Barber needed an announcer. It was an emergency for a football show. And I was dispatched to go up and do a football game. But when I came home prior to the uh, announcement, uh, I walked in the house, and my mother was all a Twitter. <laughs> and uh, I said, what's up, Mom? And she said, oh, Vinny, you'll never guess. And I said, what? And she said, you just got a call from Red Skelton. <laughs> the, the actor. <laughs> So I said, wait a minute, honey, I don't think it was Red Skelton. Would it be Red Barber? Oh, that's the man. And uh, that was the real big break of doing a football game on the roof at Fenway Park. Mm. And it led to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers led to a marvelous, wonderful self-satisfying 67 years. Unreal. And I, there's so many moments, but just the memories that you created, too, in the booth. As a kid, somebody who wanted to get into media and broadcasting, my first memory of you is when you were calling NBC's Saturday Game of the Week with Joe Gar Garagiola, as I recall. Right. And the two of you, it wasn't just baseball. It was the love of the game, and it was the back and forth between both of you. Yeah, God bless him. We got along very well. He was a former catcher, as you know, and I was a frustrated ball player. So uh, we, we had a lot going on, without a doubt. <laughs> and uh, one, of the, one of the things for me, uh, I don't know in my bio if you read that, but uh, when I was about eight years old, we had a big old-fashioned four-legged radio with a cross piece underneath it. And I on Saturdays, we could get college football, and I would be listening to a football game 
that actually didn't mean anything to me. But what got me was the roar of the crowd. (laughs) I would lay there and somebody would do something and the crowd would roar and it would come out of that speaker like uh, coming out of a shower head with water. (laughs) And I would get goosebumps from head to toe so that when I eventually got the privilege, and it was a privilege, of doing ball games, uh, as soon as something happened where the crowd roared, mm. my trademark was not to speak. Yep. And I would sit there, and a few brief seconds, I was eight years old again. Wow. Well, and maybe the most famous example of that was the 1988 World Series where Kirk Gibson on basically one leg comes out, hits that dramatic home run off Dennis Eckersley to win a big World Series game and help the Dodgers go on to win the series. And you say, high fly ball into right field. She is gone. And then for about a minute or so, you said absolutely nothing. And we just heard the crowd and we loved it. Right. I think everybody does love the crowd. And what could I have said after that? You know, nothing. As we wrap this conversation, and a couple final thoughts as we're sure. trying to grapple with the coronavirus. We started talking about the crisis, how you're dealing with it, your kind of uplifting advice for everybody. I remember a phone conversation with you a few years ago, and I called you up because I was working on a book about Jackie Robinson, and you yes. were generous with your time. And you had just been given the Medal of Freedom by President Obama, and I congratulated you. And I wrote this down because I remember what you said for all of your accolades. You said to me, oh— it was a moment, and it passed. And there's others who would, this would be the pinnacle of their life. And for you, you seem to have a certain perspective. Well, um, yes, that's really what it was, a moment. I'll be honest and truthful. Um, uh, the president uh, put the medal around my neck, and I wore it for the remainder of the hour or so that we were actually in the White House. Uh, I took the medal off. It went into a wooden box, hmm. and I've never seen it again. Wow. It, uh, it was put away um, in, a, in a vault at the bank, and that's where it will stay. And I don't know where it will wind up. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, 16 grandchildren, and they're not going to be able to divide it. So well, you, I'm just not sure what will happen to it. Well, you have a friend in broadcasting on the East Coast, so maybe we'll talk off the air. <laughs> okay. um, as we, good. Maybe you could take us out and imagine for me it's opening day at some point, hopefully this summer, and the Dodgers call you up and say, one last time, would you give us that signature hello, you know, Dodgers baseball and, uh, you know, a, a great uh, – pleasant good morning, good afternoon to you. What would you say And when, when that first game is played? Well, uh, first of all, I, I would say what I always said. Uh, hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. That was always a scully opening or an <laughs> evening, as the case may be. And then finally, it's time for Dodger baseball. The crowd would roar and I would disappear behind the curtain, never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be where we end. It brings tears to my eyes as a baseball fan oh, and, and, and an acquaintance and friend of yours. Vin Scully, we really appreciate the time. A difficult time in America, but you're someone who gives us hope about the future. Thank you. Well, bless your heart. I, I congratulate you on your wonderful show, 
And I just pray for your continued success and for the country. Well, that's very kind of you. I got to ask you one last thing then. Would you yeah. be mad or flattered if I started my show? A pleasant good morning to you, wherever you may be. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Those words would live forever, wouldn't they? Because you're going to be on the air forever. All right. I'm going to take you. We're going to keep this tape so I can tell people that you let me borrow it. Vince Scully, <laughs> okay. thank you. Thank you, Ed. Here's a look at the week ahead. America moves further into springtime this week and further into the unknown as the coronavirus pandemic causes health and economic fears to rise. Health experts warn that the number of COVID-19 cases and the number of deaths will continue to climb this week. Additional states and cities are expected to issue stay-at-home orders. Most stores and businesses will remain closed or limited in operation, putting hundreds of thousands of people on unemployment. Kids in school and college students will continue distance learning. And doctors, nurses, and first responders become the heroes of our nation, putting their lives on the line to save others. Some things that will happen this week. The Navy hospital ship Comfort will arrive in hard-hit New York City to help care for non-COVID-19 patients who would otherwise fill hospital beds that are in short supply. And Wednesday, April 1st, is April Fool's Day. If only this were all an April Fool's joke. That's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. It's the latest from Fox News Podcasts, The Campaign with Brett Baer. With updates from reporters on the trail and in-studio experts, Brett keeps you informed on the 2020 race. Go to foxnewspodcast.com and download The Campaign with Brett Baer now. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Joshua Rogers. What's on your mind? It's two weeks into the national coronavirus meltdown, and I've got good news. My wife and I still like each other. That's remarkable considering the fact that we're semi-quarantined and living in a world that's collapsing around us, not to mention being trapped in a house with three kids who think we're a couple of vending machines. While we're just as tired of wringing our overwashed hands as anyone else, we're still managing to stay happily married. I think it has to do with a few things that have kept us in good spirits so far. First of all, we're trying to enjoy each other. Times are serious and people are suffering, but we still need to have fun being together. For example, yesterday Raquel and I jumped on the trampoline while talking about how stressed out we are. It helped to bounce off some of the worry. We've also watched movies together, ridden our bikes with the kids, and toasted each other while eating frozen pizza. It's keeping our spirits up and giving us things to look forward to, which everyone can use right now. Another thing is we're being productive. I'm cranking out plenty of work product while teleworking, and Raquel, God bless her, has started homeschooling the kids. We've also ordered and assembled furniture, caught up on our to-do list, and taught the kids how to do a better job of cleaning toilets. Getting things done has helped reduce some of the angst of being in a world in which it feels like everything's grinding to a halt. We're also connecting to others. My wife and I are a couple of extroverts who are constantly hosting or meeting up with friends for fellowship. To make up for the loss of connection, we've attended church on the iPad, called friends on FaceTime, and talked to the neighbors. Don't worry, we're six feet away. It's helped us get the focus off of each other and remember that there are people out there who need community just as much as we do. And most importantly, we're connecting to God. 
Raquel and I are praying together in the midst of this meltdown. The prayers aren't necessarily complicated. Sometimes it's just praying, God, please protect the most vulnerable among us, and then saying amen. At other times, we've gotten inspired by reading a chapter from the Bible. Psalm 23 is a really good one. I believe that the more we put God at the center of our relationship during this crisis, the more we'll discover the truth of Ecclesiastes 4.12. A three-chord strand is not easily broken. There's nothing magical about the things we're doing to keep our relationship strong during this awful situation. We're just trying to stay focused on what's important. Like my wife said at the dinner table tonight, You know what, kids? We don't know what's going to happen next. But even if we lose it all, we'll be okay as long as we've got each other. This is Joshua Rogers, author of Confessions of a Happily Married Man, Finding God in the Messiness of Marriage. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Download and subscribe to original podcast from Fox News Radio. It's time to get caught up on what's happened and what's next. I'm Jared Halpern from Washington. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.